Hey everybody, this is Veronica from Benedictum, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey folks, this is Ricky Warwick from Thin Lizzy, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey Headbangers, this is Rudy Sarzo, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 435 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 435, we are joined by a band that is somewhat of an annual guest on the show. We're joined by Britt Floyd. We're joined by the musical director, Damian Darlington. Also plays the role of David Gilmore. Uh, for lack of a better term, playing the role is, is maybe not the right way to phrase that, but uh, plays the guitar parts and, and the vocals of David Gilmore for Britt Floyd, who will be starting their 2020 tour here in uh, Pittsburgh, actually. The opening night of the tour is Friday night on March 6th. They're doing another show on March 7th. Usually fill, fill the Benetton Center two nights in a row in Pittsburgh. A uh, great love of uh, Pink Floyd music here. Uh, this year's tour... I'm going to be playing all the, all the songs you expect from The Wall, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, uh, Division Bell. Uh, but this year is going to be uh, always, they always throw in something new. Uh, and then this year will be the 23-minute opus of Echoes, which was from the album Metal back in uh, 1971. I'm going to be doing that uh, note for note, they claim, which uh, I'm sure, uh, knowing the, the rabid fans of Pink Floyd, someone will notice if, if a note is missed. Uh, so we're going to talk to Damien and play you a little taste of Brett Floyd for those who are not familiar to give you an idea of what you can expect. Um, having seen them myself in years past, uh, an extremely well done show sonically as well as the, the visual presentation, the production of the show is first rate. Um, the lighting is spectacular. Uh, it really makes for a very uh, in well-encompassed concert experience. Uh, so. Obviously, there are many, many tribute bands we talked to. On the show, we've had some other tribute bands on, uh, the likes of Queen and Led Zeppelin and Kiss. Um, I would put, in my own personal experience, Brit Floyd at the top of the list of, of any tribute band I've seen. Uh, they really do a fantastic job and um, bring you the music. I, I don't think of Pink Floyd myself possibly just due to when I grew up in, in you know, the fact that Pink Floyd wasn't really a a videos kind of band you know you didn't uh, necessarily care what David uh, looked like or um, you know it, you just listen to the music enjoyed you know and you you knew the laser shows you knew the wall but um, you know the the visual aspect was the lights and, and things like that it wasn't about faces like it is with a band like Kiss you know where the band members were characters you knew the you know you knew the guitar playing of David Gilmore and the bass playing, etc. But um, so I think it, it works very well to, to me as, as a tribute band. Um, so I would encourage you if you have not seen them, there are still a limited number of tickets. 
I know for Friday night, uh, most of them are in the uh, upper mezzanine section, but uh, still, if you've been to the Benedict Center, it's not an extremely large venue, so you're still going to be very close. And, and with the, the way the building is laid out, you're almost on top of the band. So it will be great seats all the way to the back. I can say for my own experience, I've sat in the very back row of the Benetton Center for performances. Literally, it was many years ago to see uh, Bill Cosby, of all things, but um, and that's a whole different story there. But from the very last row, you're still extremely close. So uh, great chance to see that. Uh, not a lot going on in March when it comes to touring. Obviously, 2020 is going to explode with tours. If you watch our Facebook page, there are a zillion bands touring. Uh, but March is kind of a dead time, so it's a great chance to get out and see these guys. So I'm going to play you a little of some classic Brit Floyd doing, obviously, Pink Floyd, and then we'll get into the interview with Damien Darling. We don't need no education.
pleasure to welcome back to Iron City Rocks from Great Floyd. We have musical director Damien Darlington on the line. How are you doing, Damien? I'm doing very well, thank you. Great. It's good to talk to you again. You're going to be, um, am I correct, you're kicking off the U.S. leg of the tour uh, here this weekend in Pittsburgh? Yes, indeed, yeah. It's become a bit of a tradition to start things off here in Pittsburgh, and we've yeah. got a double show. We're playing here both Friday and Saturday night at the Benetton. Yeah, I think uh, P- Pittsburgh uh, loves Pink Floyd, uh, they love Brit Floyd. I was, I don't remember, it's been several years since I've seen you guys the first time, but was just amazed at how into the show and how packed the show was. Um, it, it's wonderful to see. Um, this year you're going to be bringing in um, uh, Echoes, which I, I see you guys are, are calling it the note-for-note note performance of the iconic uh, Echoes. Um, when you when you lay down the phrase note-for-note, as the guitarist, how how much pressure does that put on you? I mean, is it something that you you know have to really woodshed that piece, or is it something you've kind of been playing with for a while? Um, it's well, it's it's always a challenge to um, uh, you know take on David Gilmore guitar parts, um, but you know certainly I have, nonetheless I have been doing this for a long time. I've been playing Pink Floyd um, professionally, so to speak, for 26 years now, so. I'm very familiar with them, you know, all these older the, the guitar solos he played over the years. So, you know, I, I have to I have to do my homework. I have to brush up on it. But nonetheless, there's a there's a lot of experience that comes into play when they're taking on these pieces. With the 2020 show, um, I know you guys are, are. I think one of the things people love about the way you present the material is that you go back, not just to, you know, kind of the big four or five albums and play them note for note from those albums but you then go and in, into the to the archives of live recordings and things like that are there any other gems out there that you can reveal that might be a little bit different from what we would have seen in previous tours i i, I would I, I suppose i can i can let the cat out of the bag and say that we'll be playing something off atom heart mother on this tour you know it's uh, 50 years since that album came out and you know you don't you don't get to hear those uh, those pieces from that that album very often, and we'll be doing a track from from uh, Asmat Mother that we've never performed before. So that's that's something that's definitely brand new for this tour. What, when you're doing that, is that kind of make it a little bit more interesting for you as a musician to kind of bring in some of these pieces to challenge you? Maybe something different. I mean, I'm I'm sure at some point you've got to be able to play comfortably numb, almost on cruise control, or maybe maybe that's overstated, but. Um, is it fun for you to throw in a totally different song? Of, of course it is. You know, I mean, much as we enjoy playing this music, and uh, it sort of uh, it genuinely never gets old for us. Uh, nonetheless, you know, it, it's exciting to play something that you've never played before or you haven't played for a long, long time. And so, um, when it when it comes to sort of performing something like Comfortably Numb and it being on cruise control, um, I, yeah, you, you're right. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. It's still you've still got to. You know, perform it correctly every night that you step out there on stage to play to play a piece like that. But uh, once again, you know, the experience for so many years, and, and so uh, you know, it, it, there is a certain amount of it becoming second nature doing some of these songs. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I, I think I think the trap in that is, and I, and I know for, from seeing other you know, tribute bands and, and the such, where you can get too comfortable and you're not realizing that there's you know maybe 2000 people out there in front of you hanging on every note every bend um that you know for us we hear that song 
probably a lot of people here comfortably know him two, three times a week, every week for the last 30 years. Um, you, you get a half a step flat on a, on a bend and everyone just kind of, you know, will tighten up their face. So it's, it's a lot of pressure um, when you think about it in that regard, you know, because it's not, you know, people would probably, in fairness, give David Gilmore more latitude with the solo than they would you. Um, and that's, you know, something I think about with, with, you know, bands, when you're doing the iconic songs, you know, the fans probably don't like the idea of you just kind of noodling. You know, if you started doing tapping in the middle of the solo, you know, it probably cause a revolution. When you're putting together, you know, the tour itself, um, do you, obviously you've got production that goes with each of the tracks that you've been performing. Do you, is it from tour to tour, year to year, do you kind of blow it up and start over again? Or is it just kind of moving in certain video elements for particular songs, maybe you're freshen up type of things? Or do you completely go to the drawing board with a tour? I, I, I think it would be... Um you know, it would be a serious challenge to blow things up every year and start again from scratch because we tour in, you know, the nature of things when you're doing a tribute band is that, you know, we tour every year. It's not like, we, you know, in the old days when a band released an album, um, that they would be touring to promote that album. And like, you know, sometimes they wouldn't do that for two or three years, you know, so, you know, so but it's, it's a better it's better to describe it that it evolves over time. Obviously, there are things that we sort of think we've perfected when it comes to the show, when it comes to the production that um, we're sort of happy with, and you, you know, um, and they can sort of remain basically the same year in year out. But, but we're always, we're never complacent about this. We're always trying to improve the show. I mean, this year we have sort of uh, quite change the light show quite a lot. We've invested in a lot of new lights, so so people will see something. Um, different uh, compared with what is for summer around, but nonetheless they'll see it. They'll be familiar with a lot of aspects of our show as well. Yeah, I think of you know when I think of production on a show, I, I often you think of a band like the Trans Siberian Orchestra, who I know, you know, in from talking to them year in and year out as well, will go and you know the companies that make the, the lighting and the video screens obviously court a band like the TSO because there's improvements every year and they can make their show better is there a situ- does it come to a point with with Brit Floyd because you're paying homage to a band who really was at their heyday before that technology that you don't go overboard in some of the the toys out there in the production industry um, or or do you feel a, a sense of being able to kind of Take it in a direction that Pink Floyd would have had they been touring right now. I, I th- yeah, I think. I mean, you know, it's it, a little bit like the music. We do sort of. We're very mindful of what Pink Floyd looked like back in the day, um, and there are certain fundamental things that you get. You know, if you, if you want it to feel like a Pink Floyd show visually as well as uh, you know musically, then you've, you've got to have the circle. As far as I'm concerned, that's like essential. You know, that's just so synonymous with Pink Floyd, and there are certain things certain types of things that they will have done with their lights, which I think, you know, you, you have to kind of stick to the script. But nonetheless, I think, you know, we're, we're 30 years on now from when Pink Floyd last toured um, and technology has moved on a lot and that there are opportunities open to us that just weren't available back then or certainly not easily back then. Um, and and you, you just have to sort of... Uh, you know, think what what you know, what would Pink Floyd have done if they were still touring 
now and and uh, and hopefully you're uh, you know you're sim- you're mindful of that you 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 be through all the experience of doing this you know you you do things tastefully um and that's what that's indeed that's what we try to do you know we don't try and sort of go off in a completely different direction that pink floyd pre- probably never would have gone in you know we we have to sort of think what would they have yeah, and I think you know it's almost staggering to think in the era of the technology that's available, and you know this is the same story every you know, technology is constantly evolving. To think what a band of Pink Floyd had they been able to 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 remain a unit would do. You look at what Roger does and the, the music that David writes. You know, it's interesting to think what their show would look like had it continued to, to this day. So it's it's, it's certainly a food for thought um as far as um when you're when you're approaching like equipment do you have to kind of make that same um sort of thing or are you able to take advantage of things like fractal and modeling amplifiers does that come into the equation with what you're doing or do you try to keep it at the you know what he played at the time he played these songs no no we, we very much have embraced sort of modern technology you know and the other bass player as well, you know, all, all three of us use it. And this is a sort so we, we the, the modern we and speak to model the you know, go down the other road of, of like having exactly the same pair. So that it would be a huge guitar rig and it would, a lot more main, a lot bigger, a lot more to keep going every night. As for as many shows as we do. Yeah, and that, that's a great point. I mean, you think about it, you guys do more shows than they ever did. Uh, you know, I look at your touring schedule, and it's you know, frankly brutal. I, I, sometimes you have to wonder what city you're in. I imagine um, in watching where you guys go and, and the extent at which you tour perpetually. Um, do you think about like in in a case like with Pink Floyd? Does it did, do you think it helps with what you guys do? That you know, Pink Floyd wasn't a band when you think of them as poster boys. They weren't. Uh, the Beatles, for example, where everybody had a favorite character, and they were almost characters. You know, Kiss people had a favorite band member. Um, you know, I think there's a certain degree of Gilmore versus Waters, but that you know maybe is more of a post Pink Floyd argument than it was when Pink Floyd was kind of at their their pinnacle. Do you think that the fact that plus they weren't uh, you know a band that you saw in, in you know three minute slick videos on MTV a lot? that it affords you guys the ability to go through and say, here's the concert experience, here's the music, incredibly uh, tastefully done, but people don't expect you to necessarily look exactly like David Gilmour. Ian doesn't have to look like Roger Waters necessarily, the way a Led Zeppelin tribute band would. No, no uh, it's, not, not a, yeah, it's, it's not a direction we'd want to go, go down. I mean, the, 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 the personality of the band uh, of the, of, is, is in the... the the light show, the video, the, all that sort of thing, rather than also the individuals on stage. You know, not a certain level of individual musicians that you have to come down there. You know, completely still like automatons. You got to sort of put put your into what you're doing as a musician up there on stage. But but you know, we're never going to sort of go down the way the road of wearing wigs and you know, like some some band 
bands will do. I, you know, it, 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 that kind of thing is suitable if you're doing a, boot, a Beatles tribute band or an ABBA or, you know, something where the personalities themselves were, were kind of larger than life and, and what the show was all about. But with Pink Floyd, that was never the case. It was, it was always a bit more sort of uh, enigmatic and mysterious and it wasn't about them as individuals back in back in the day right and i think to to me that's what makes what you guys have built work to to a very large audience where you see you know i'm sure you're you're aware of the glut of frankly the glut of led zeppelin tribute bands that you know for the most part play relatively small venues i think but it's you know it's always a guy who's dressing like robert plant wearing a wig you know a jimmy page guy in a you know kimono looking jumpsuit uh, trying to look like jimmy page where you guys you know i think you're celebrating the music you're celebrating the visual aspect you know in the production standpoint but it's i think you guys very well realize that it's enough for the pink floyd fan to be immersed in that experience at that level you know you don't need a guy that looks like roger uh to make that complete and fulfilling. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. That's not the case, and that's that's what we've gone for, very much so. Well, Damien, I, I wish you guys the best again. You're going to be coming in to Pittsburgh Friday the sixth, and uh, also another show on Saturday the seventh. As you know, you said it's become an, a kind of a tradition that uh, the first week or so of March, you guys kick off a new tour here in Pittsburgh, and. and uh, our tradition in return will be to fill up the venue for you both nights and we'll have a great time and then celebrate the music and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Friday oh, definitely uh, we're, we're very much looking forward to getting out back there out on stage and entertaining the uh, the Pittsburgh audience and we'll have a wonderful time here awesome okay Damien well thank you so much I will see you guys Friday night thank you very much All right, nice talking to you bye bye take care all right, that about wraps up this episode of Iron City Rocks. Again, Britt Floyd will be at the Benetton Center March 6th and 7th, two shows, 8 p.m. Tickets uh, limited, but there are still some tickets available. So you can go over to trustarts.org and find all the information on uh, purchasing tickets. Uh, you can get them at Will Call, and it's not a big deal to pick up tickets at Will Call there. So we're looking forward to that coming into town. We want to thank you so much for listening. You can visit us at Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Our all Iron City Rocks is the username. We appreciate any and all follows. Uh, engage with a lot of folks on social media with poll questions, and we announce every concert that we catch wind of that uh, will interest you guys. So invite you to check us out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Do you enjoy a particular artist we've had on, do you like t- hearing about tribute bands? Do you like more blues stuff, more metal stuff? You tell us. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Mm-hmm.